Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Girls with Sharp Sticks by Suzanne Young. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, and so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out the new novel yet. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. And our guest today is YA suspense writer and friend of the podcast, Amanda K. Morgan. Hi, Mandy. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us again. Of course. You know, I'm (laughs) always more than happy to be part of the podcast. It's an honor. An honor. Oh, my God. What an accolade. (laughs) It is. You guys are fabulous. I was so excited to receive an early copy of this. I have been friends with Suzanne for a really long time and really love this book. So it is also an honor for me to be able to discuss my friend's book with you. That's great. I mean, you guys have been friends for a long time. And as soon as we saw that this book was coming out, I was like, we should talk about this with Mandy. Yes. All right, let's do it. So... Our book this week is Girls with Sharp Sticks by Suzanne Young. Philomena is the perfect student at a school that makes perfect girls. Behind her school's gated walls, girls are molded to become perfect wives for powerful men, girls who are beautiful to look at and won't ask too many questions. They are constantly told the school has their very best interests at heart, with important financiers invested in each girl's future. Every girl's emotion and reaction is carefully tamped down until it isn't. On one of their rare trips to the outside world, Philomena encounters a civilian who is horrified at the way they are treated, and that's when the girls realize there is something very, very wrong at Innovations Academy. So, Danielle, what did you think of this book? I really liked this book. I liked the pacing. I liked the characters. Um, Because I've read Suzanne's books before, I knew that there was going to be suspense and a thrill and probably a twist. I had no idea what it would be, but like... That's how she is as a writer. So I was excited and ready to see what it would be. How about you, Mandy? What did you think? I loved it. I thought it was really interesting. It's a great look at feminism without being heavy handed. And it's incredibly different than anything else on the market right now. You mentioned some about like the uh, accessibility of the feminism, but I thought the whole book was like very accessibly written. Yes. So Mandy and Danielle, for those of y'all who don't know, are working on a project for readers who are of like a YA age, but not up to like a YA reading level necessarily. And I feel like this book will fit into that very well. Like it's not a super challenging reading level and it's very accessible as far as its themes and its concepts while still being a subject matter that's going to be interesting to YA readers. It's going to be relevant to their interests and like what they're dealing with on a day-to-day so I thought that especially from that aspect it was really great because of the way that these girls are raised as not being super highly well-read or educated beyond what's required for a household so through that storytelling it translates to being like very easy to read I think I agree I thought it was very easy to read and very Like I already said, well-paced, and and what I really mean by that is like I couldn't put it down. There were no slow parts for me. Yeah, I agree. Super well-paced. Like it parses out like the slow burn really well while still completely carrying you along, I thought. 
Absolutely. Um, you have these girls who, on the surface, seem very naive and are very naive, but there's always this feeling of something lurking just underneath the surface. And I feel like that's what Suzanne is really good at. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked the girls too. So we had Mina, who was our main character. We had Sydney, her best friend. Um, lots of other girls come in and out, and we'll talk about some of them. And then we have Lennon Rose, who is like effervescent and optimistic and slightly fragile, but all of the girls feel really protective of her. And I think this cast was really interesting. And the girls were kind of like codependent because they were in this closed system of the school and they didn't have other people to like have friendships with or like talk to so they really relied on each other I really did love the relationships between all of the female characters this book is really about female friendships and I don't think that's too much of a spoiler but it's wonderful to see women supporting each other in a book and this entire story is a wonderful example of that and as Amanda said, they go on this field trip and Mina meets a civilian. The boy, the as boy. it were. <laughs> Jackson. And he's the one that's like, your school's a little weird. Yeah, I uh, at first I was like, oh my God, please don't let this be like Jackson's going to come and like show them all how they should be treated, like blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't. It was just like Jackson happened to be the person who saw it and was like, uh-uh that's not normal. <laughs> like, and so I feel like it was really well done because it still felt very much like it was Philomena and like the girls awakening into like how bizarre and wrong their world was. And it was just this one outside person who saw it, who was like, uh, that's not how things ought to be. And you know, he happened to be like a really cute boy who bought her candy. <laughs> so in this school, they are surrounded by men. They have, male teachers that talk down to them. They have the headmaster who decides what each girl should wear, what her hair is going to look like, and how her makeup is going to be. But we have a woman, Leandra. And I wanted to talk about Leandra pretty upfront here because it is clear from the beginning that Leandra is complicit in the system because she is part of like regulating what these girls eat and how they act and how they look. Yeah. In the beginning, when we see her, she's very much the Serena Joy figure. Right? From Handmaid's Tale. Totally agree. Yeah. I really liked her for reasons we can discuss in the second half. <laughs> but it's a really well-rounded character. And I think that's so amazing is a lot of times the characters in this novel are more than they seem. And I think that's so much fun that we discover so much about every one of these characters as the book progresses. And I think it's important when we're having a conversation about oppression to have someone who is complicit in that system. That's a really good point. And with that, friends, we'll take our first break. When we come back, we'll share about things we like latte. Then we'll return to our discussion of Girls with Sharp Sticks and dig a little deeper. Hey friends, are you looking for an easy way to support this podcast? Order our book choices through the affiliate link in our show notes. You'll be supporting our authors and making sure we get a small kickback to keep our show going. Next week, we'll discuss internment by Samira Ahmed. It's set in a horrifying near future, but way too close to reality to be tagged as dystopian. 
If you'd like to help us keep bringing you great content, order through the link in our show notes. Happy reading! Welcome back, y'all. It's time for Things We Like a Latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week? Well, Amanda. Well, Danielle. (laughs) So, I know this is totally out of the norm here, but first I want to talk about a thing I don't like a latte. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Netflix is dropping one day at a time. Boo. Boo. And Netflix says it wants to bring... More stories with diverse characters, but like one day at a time is awesome. Just keep doing that. Basically, everybody wants that to continue and Netflix should honor the show it's built and the following that that show has. Anyway, a thing I like a latte is Shout, which is Lori Halt Anderson's memoir in free verse. 20 years ago, she published Speak. And so now she has Shout, which is her memoir about surviving rape, about uh, growing up and finding her voice. And it is really great. And the whole thing kind of reminds me of this Emily Dickinson quote, which is, tell the truth, but tell it slant. Anytime we tell a story through poetry, we're already kind of infusing it with a little bit of lying. Poetry is a little bit of lying in its uh, floweriness and we don't need to go like full English teacher here but this is a great book everybody should read Shout by Lori Holtz Anderson how about you Mandy what's your thing you like a latte my thing I like a latte is Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik it is a loose retelling of Rumpelstiltskin and it is amazing the writing is so divine and I 100% recommend it I saw that on your Goodreads. I added it to my want to read. Oh, good. Yes. I would reread it right now. That's how good it is. Right now. Like stop recording right now. and just go read it. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, please. <laughs> Amanda, what is your thing you like a latte? So my thing I like a latte is an outstanding book called The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison. Uh, people who love fantasy and are really deep in fantasy have probably already read this whole series. It won the Hugo three years in a row. Each of the books won the Hugo in this trilogy, and it is so good. It is an incredibly rich, well-written world, and the magic and the mythology behind it is just really stupendous. That's the fifth season by N.K. Jemison. It sounds awesome. I got you that book for Christmas. You did, and it was a great choice. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on Girls with Sharp Sticks. The rest of the show will contain spoilers, so if you're leaving us here, keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back. Welcome back, y'all, to the YA Cafe. We're continuing our discussion on Girls with Sharp Sticks by Suzanne Young. If you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers. Spoilers! And vitamins. Vitamins is not nearly as interesting as pirates. I know, but... That's what you think. (laughs) 
But then, but then, okay, so Suzanne has this thing with pills, and pills are always something to be super skeptical of. So as soon as I saw vitamins, I was like, y'all shouldn't be taking those vitamins. Don't take the vitamins. It's kind of iconic if you read the program and then you read this, you're like, I can see some things to tie this together here, but <laughs> oh, yeah. there's Clear still very mind different control. stories. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we knew it was mind control. Like probably, I mean, for me, it was definitely like the first time that the dude gave her vitamins. I was like, mm, mm-mm. I mean, nobody's taking vitamin B in a Suzanne Young book. Like we all know this coming <laughs> in. Yeah. It's going to be dark. It's going to be dark. And I love that because, you know, you might find it so boring that somebody's taking their, you know, osteobiflex, but that's not it here. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> um, so we have that. And then we have impulse control therapy. So when we follow Philomena into her impulse control therapy for the first time, and it's basically a lobotomy. Oh, my God. Like, oh, oh my God. An incredibly it's... painful one as well, which. But it's OK because the vitamins expect. will make her forget unless if she, she stops them. taking them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that the lobotomy thing was a great detail because, A, it's creepy as crap. Like, it is a really gut-wrenching scene to read. But also because this book clearly has, like, its feminist agenda. I'm so here for it. And lobotomies were a thing that was used to control women for Mm -hmm. a very long time. Um, So it wasn't, it's not exactly a lobotomy. Like, it's behind the eye. It's like an ice pick situation. It's terrible, but like it definitely evokes that. And I feel like it was super intentional, you know, like this means of controlling hysterical women. Hysterical women, exactly what I was thinking. Digging into their brains. Like yeah. controlling the emotional outburst. Yeah. And, you know, Mandy, the book that you mentioned in the end of your episode, A Madness So Discreet, is basically that was when women were like locked away for being too emotional or too radical or just displeasing to their husbands. Exactly. There are a lot of parallels. And obviously this takes place in the not so distant future, or maybe you could even say a slightly alternate universe, but it is very easy to draw parallels with our real world today as well. Yeah. Looking at you, girl, wash your face. (laughs) (laughs) So, One of the things that happens to start the rest of the action is that the girls find a book of poetry called The Sharpest Thorns. And so the title of the book by Suzanne Young, Girls with Sharp Sticks, comes from one of the poems in the book in the book, right? It's very confusing, but there's a poem. And I just wanted to read an excerpt of poetry so that my wife, who loves poetry, could hear some. I don't know why you do this to me. (laughs) It's true love. (laughs) so this is just an excerpt but you really you get a sense of why they're not supposed to have this book of poems the little girls attended school where the rules had changed the girls were taught untruths ignorance the only subject when math was pushed aside for myth the little girls adapted they gathered sticks to count them learning their own math and then they sharpened their sticks and that is like the 
thing that drives them to begin their resistance is like this book of rebellious, I don't want to say propaganda, but like it's a call to action. It is a call to rebellion. It is a call to action, but I also think it's validation and it's a reminder to these girls that they're not alone and all these feelings that they've been having and all these questions that they have, other girls have had these same questions and they've been looking for the same answers. And so it's a reminder to them that regardless of what these men are telling you, something is wrong. Yes. And one of the things you wanted to talk about, Mandy, with Lennon Rose is that even in the way that I described her, we can see that she is like positioned to be somewhat vulnerable. Like she ends up being very fierce. Yes. And I really love that because you have these girls who are supposed to be, and I'm saying that very carefully, very similar to each other. And yet they still have such distinct personalities and it's ultimately different expressions of feminism. So you have this very delicate character who ends up being incredibly strong and you have characters who are taught not to question and they do. And it just, I think it's great to remind people that there are many different faces to feminism. Right. And so were you surprised when Lennon Rose disappeared? Yes, I was surprised. And I think her character development, even though she's off page, is some of the most refreshing and surprising in the book. Yeah, I agree with you, Mandy. I wasn't surprised because as soon as I met her, I went, oh, she's the prim. She's the, I can't even say other people because then, you know, if you go and read those books, but we have read books on the YA Cafe podcast that have characters like this. And I'm like, well, she's got to go. She's a goner. (laughs) And that is a really important part of the book because that is what Mina knows that she is like not going to forget. Like she is motivated to find Lennon Rose. And then. Dun, dun, dun. They're robots. (laughs) Are they robots? They're cyborgs. They're cyborgs. They are artificially (laughs) created. They have like organic matter but they are created by artificial intelligence right no they are not created by artificial intelligence they're created by well, hu- they are artificial intelligence yes they're artificially yes. intelligence yes Man. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta work on english <laughs> they have some parts that are like i mean okay they look human they have synthetic human parts But when she was getting lobotomized, the thing that was really happening to her was that the doctor guy was fidgeting around with her circuitry. And I thought that was really interesting going into that because the way they described that, I feel like you kind of knew, but you weren't, you didn't fully understand what was going on. I didn't get it. And I normally pick stuff like this up. I was just like, Okay, that totally makes sense, and I'm ashamed of myself for not seeing it coming. (laughs) There's so many clues all along, and I just totally missed them. I definitely did get it, and there's one reason. At some point, I read the comps that this was Handmaid's Tale meets Westworld. And I haven't even seen Westworld, but I know that there are, like, cyborgs and robots and stuff. So I'm like, well, they must be robots. Yeah, that's a bummer. I definitely would have been spoiled if I had seen that too. Like, oh, okay. But I didn't hear that. So I was just derping along. (laughs) It is a really good comp though. Like when you think about it, it's absolutely perfect for describing that book. 
Maybe not so much for withholding spoilers. Yeah. I think that even without Westworld, I would have gotten there very quickly because the book opens on Mena, like, looking at a rose garden and how perfectly they grow. And there's, like, all these comparisons of the girls being, like, roses. And then you have the character of Lennon Rose. And it's like, oh, could they be grown and cultivated by people? Like... Oh, I just got that right now. Man, I have not got <laughs> it today. <laughs> I, you know what? I didn't pick up on that either. So you're not alone, Amanda. Great. Thanks, Mandy. <laughs> Danny's over here playing chess and we're playing tic-tac-toe. <laughs> Someday maybe I'll graduate to checkers, but today is not that day. <laughs> All right. We wouldn't be the YA Cafe if we did not talk about the queue. Oh, yeah. We're the gay podcast. We got we to gotta get up there. So we have these two girls, Bryn and Marcella who we know are queer and like in the first half of the book the biggest tension is that we know that they're gonna end up married to men like and that they can't be together and then all of a sudden they're cyborgs and we have a lot of questions i thought that it was really interesting in the beginning of the book because philomena like wouldn't really let herself consider it very much she would sometimes think like brenda marcella love each other but how are they going to be married Oh, but I'm sure the school will work it out. Like She had a lot of faith in innovation. She had a lot of faith in this place that had created her and coded her in this way. And I just thought that was interesting how even as she started to like suspect that things were getting weird and like there was wickedness happening to her and to her friends, she still like kind of felt they'll be together in some way because the school will do the best for them. So I thought in general how slow Philomena was to figure out how bad things were was really well done and that was one of the ways that I saw it yeah absolutely and it was really interesting because she held these two opposing ideas and it was almost like they're on different sides of her brain like she knew that the school wouldn't approve because they had to keep their relationship a secret but she still had so much faith in them yeah double think yes exactly and I think that that is really one of Suzanne's talents is, you know, having these very subtle details that you don't, you know, like the flower garden, for example, that yeah. may originally pass sort of beneath your consciousness. And then the more you read, you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. OK, it's all making sense. And I really enjoyed that about this book because it was very twisty. Even if you figured out the big twist early on, there's still a lot of surprises and uh, the way it's pulled together is just beautiful. Okay, so even when the title of the book of poetry was Sharpest Thorns, you didn't, like, remember the Rose Garden? God, Danny, why are you just driving <laughs> this home like this? We already told you we did it. <laughs> we did it. Like, oh I, I thought the flower imagery was great, but I was like, oh, they're being compared to flowers, but it didn't, like, yeah, because it didn't I thought, click with like, me. They're just to be pretty, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's exactly like, how I Your whole it. cultivation thing is like a whole nother thing. And I just don't appreciate that you're sitting here making us feel dumb. <laughs> Why are you on another level? Get on our level. <laughs> come down here. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to come back around to Leandra, who we said, you know, was complicit in the system. And then Mandy said, like, she has layers. So... We're here. We're spoiling. So what's the layer? 
So sometimes we have brave listeners who haven't read the book and venture into the spoiler section. So just an explanatory comma that Leandra ends up being from the previous generation of girls to attend the Academy or be grown by the Academy. And so she is one of them, not one of them, has seen the book before, is supposedly trying to destroy the system from the inside, but like still mean to them. I loved Philomena's reluctance to trust her. I thought that was really great. Yes. And if you think about it, it made a lot of sense because they said this particular group of girls that the book is about is the ones that they gave the most like wit and free will to. Mm-hmm. And so if Leander's from an earlier, I don't know what you would say, crop of girls, if you will, she doesn't have that free will. And so it's interesting to see her level of struggle. Oh, but I mean, but clearly she must, right? Like she must've developed something, but maybe she yes. just doesn't have like the kind of deep, uh, thinking that Philomena and the others are capable of and she just like beeline straight to anger and murder and murder which I'm down with <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta get your murder on gotta get the murder on <laughs> and there's one more point that I wanted to wrap around to which was the boy Jackson like I really like that this story is not a romance Jackson serves other purposes and Mina is like romantically interested in him but it is not central to the story yeah i liked him i thought that he was fine just fine he just like did the right things and when he found out that the girl that he had a crush on was a robot he was just kind of like uh okay i guess like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i definitely feel like he's still dealing with that but um i think we'll see more of him in future books but this wasn't a book that relied on the boy as a huge plot device. Yeah. And I also, you mentioned future books. There was a clear ending. I'm so yes. team clear endings. I thought it was a really strong first book for a series. Because there's still a lot left. But, like, they accomplished the thing. that They got out of the school and there's a clear end to part one. And I really yes. like that. You could choose Absolutely. not to read the rest of the books and you would still have a complete story. Yes. Absolutely. That's our show for today, friends. Thank you so much for joining us, Mandy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yay, Mandy. You can find Mandy on Twitter and Instagram at Amanda K. Morgan. And you can find us at YA Cafe Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And it's time, folks. Leave us a review. Happy reading. <laughs>